0: the things that's been really encouraging to me as we ponder this vision is to reflect on how many examples there are of people seeking to chase after what God wants for them in their own lives. And so we, you know, some of the things I'll, I'll, I'll mention, the ones that we've covered to this point. So we see a church that is biblical I was so encouraged to hear recently of how some of the ladies have been missing the fellowship of the Bible study that was happening on a Monday night. And so they're looking to re-engage with it too, as I read in a message, to fellowship together, to share scripture verses and readings with one another, and to pray for and with one another as a means of support and encouragement. So there's new things starting because people want to share the Bible with one another. That's wonderful. We see a church of authentic worshipers just yesterday. A few of our worship team and our AV team were exchanging messages, trying to consider a couple of different possibilities as to to things that might help lead forward our ministry of worship here in the church. And there's, there's things ongoing all the time. Isn't it wonderful to see these young folk up here helping lead us in worship? Another one, we see a church that tells people about Jesus. Our outreach team have been considering this very issue They met recently, and I had a chance to to read the minutes, and it said there in the minutes that the the outreach group sense that we need to increase energy and equipping for us as a church uh, to enable spiritual conversations with colleagues and friends, so they as a team are looking at different ways that we could work towards that, seeing that come to pass in our church. They have a vision for helping us be a church that tells people about Jesus? What about we see a church that embodies Jesus' love? There are so many with a heart to see, just as one example, this facility being used as a place to spread the blessing and the goodness of God in this community. People like, just for example, Sheena Bevan and Jane White who are meeting Mary Bolton, the local councillor, with Scott to explore how we can minister Jesus' love to this community. That's vision that they have to see that happen. We see a church that is honest, I'll be honest, I went home gutted a few weeks ago because I felt like I'd completely blown that message. And you know what? I probably did. But you know what? In God's goodness, so many people got in touch saying that they were wrestling with and grappling with this whole idea of how can I be honest before God and with my brothers and sisters together? Wonderful. We see a church that is a loving family. What a special time we had together last weekend. Those of us who were able to be there, just just to be together, worshiping, laughing, eating and praying and dancing and quizzing even though there was no prizes for the winning team, Dan. I'll forgive you one day. Uh, And sharing together, just, you know, what a special time. And I want to say, just I hope you were noticing in the notices video there, what an opportunity we have six months from now to spend some time a weekend away together. I really would encourage you, put it in your diary, do everything you can to make that a priority. I can almost guarantee you, you will not regret it. It will be a special, special time if you press in to it. And, and if the costs and things are a problem, please let us know, because we don't want that to be an issue. And then next week, we see a church that is expecting. Colin will be speaking on that. And I guess all of the above speaks to this, ways that we see God's kingdom coming to pass among us. We pray more and more. Um, There are so many people in our midst who are seeking to really honor God day by day, not to settle down, but to chase after, to run the race with Him with perseverance that he has put before them. One of the things that we do in Hillview Elders Meetings is we very slowly go through the membership list. I call it as a prayer because we go from A to Z and Z to A uh, through our membership list. So if you're like in JKL, you've maybe not been contacted yet. We'll get there, I promise. Um, But we go through our members list and we just check in with folk and ask them to share some needs that we could be praying as elders for. And this was part of what we received recently from a sister in this church, and I share this with with her permission. Praise God for his goodness and friendship. I've been spending more time with God recently, which in itself is answer to prayers. I don't always find this easy. Honesty, right? I love it. But I've really enjoyed this time and being in his presence and I found I've been more joyful throughout the day. Just prayer that this would continue and increase and that I would choose to walk with him each day. Pray that God would fill me up during this time so I may be a blessing to others. Do you hear this expectancy? This vision for expectancy in the sister of ours? I am aware of all the different needs there are in the church and the many different ministries there are to serve in. I feel God has given me a heart to serve others and I love serving in his church. So prayer that God would equip me to serve him in these different areas. Prayer for energy and guidance, that I would always remain humble and do it all through God's strength and for his glory. Come on, that's expectancy. Someone wanting to not just get by, but to press in to what God is doing in our midst. There is so much to be thankful for. And that's also the case with this final vision statement that I'm preaching on today. Um, I think it's going to come up on the screen. Is that right, Ian? Um, It would be wonderful. Yeah, there we go. So we're looking today at we see a church that plants other churches. The spiel under that on the website says this, we will make church planting a key strategy in how we reach out with the love and good news of Jesus. We will raise up new leaders. We will plant churches who themselves will plant churches. We will gladly accept and adapt to the resulting challenges in our sending churches. We will support those who are building the church around the world. Again, as we've said so many times, these are not things that we have achieved. These are things that we might, if we choose together, to aspire for, aspire towards for for God's sake. And there is so much to be thankful for here, isn't there? Kintor Community Church is meeting right at this very moment. Colin Ross, one of the elders there, is preaching a message probably right now about how Kintor might have a vision to be a church which is expectant. Uh, we are voting these weeks on a potential second term in eldership for Charlie Carnican, uh, this, that is to say the, the establishment of elders in, in Contour, is something that we specifically prayed that God would help us with so that we could bolster the leadership there. There's a holiday Bible club running in a few weeks. There's growth in all age groups over at Contour. There is so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for the unfolding story of your grace in this vision of church planting. But like all these vision statements... We've talked about how uh, they're about what we're praying for and we're we're dreaming about for the future, for Jesus' sake. It would be easy for us, wouldn't it, as Hillview Community Church, to think of church planting as primarily, perhaps solely, something that happened in the past. Or maybe something, maybe especially something, that we are grappling with the ups and downs of this, in this present moment. So we've, we've acknowledged a number of times over the years And again, we've acknowledged it very recently, how we need greater clarity in the issue of how how Hillview and Kintour relate. And even recently, we've been seeking God about this potential building over in Kintour, and some are fired up and excited about this. But the truth is that some are really uncomfortable, and some are very concerned about this potential step. And and all of this is so important to acknowledge that. Yes, how much there is to celebrate and how many things there are to currently be worked through. Something that happened in the past, something that we're still working with just now. What of the future? Is God still leading us forward in this way? With every one of these vision statements, we said from, from the first week, Dan, Dan nailed it in the way that he framed it. He said, we will listen to the Bible. We will reflect on where we're at and we will become who we are. I mean, you might say we will listen, linger to hear God and live out. Three L's, Dan. Dan was, Dan was sad that we didn't find a way to put three letters all around about it together. Um, but the point is this, is that vision the point of this sermon is that vision is about where we are headed, how God is leading us, what we might see in him and what he might do in us to, 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 for his glory in this time, in this place. Hebrews 10 verse 39, that, that we want to be a church. We are not of those who shrink back. But we want to be a people of faith who walk forward in faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. There are things not yet visible that God will create by the word of his power. Verse 3 of Hebrews 11. So do we see a church that plants other churches in time, in God's wisdom, in his plan, alongside seven other vision statements and 70 times seven, so to speak, other ways that God will work here at Hillview Community Church, is there space for some of us who might feel stirred to pray about this particular calling? As we pray and seek God in all that he's doing in this church, might you pray for new expressions of the family of God to be birthed from among us? Now, I would like to encourage you, um, find a Bible, there's some at the back, please feel free to grab them, Uh, please feel free to use an app, but we're going to jump around loads of scriptures today, and I just want to share as many scriptures as possible as to why this is something worth stepping forward into. So first of all, I just want us to soak in some different verses from the first five books of the New Testament. So the end of each of these books, or the first four at least, Matthew chapter 28 says this, I can find it. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Sorry, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age." Turn over to Mark, the very last words of uh, the very last chapter of Mark from verse 15 says this. And he said to them, go into all the world, Jesus said, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Turn over, please, to the last chapter of Luke, and we'll read from verse 45 of Luke 24. It says, Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And then, please, if you would jump over to John chapter twenty. And verses 21 and 22 says this. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Turn over a page or so to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Says this: You will receive, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, just multiple verses all saying in one sense the same thing. That to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus means to be part of a worldwide movement of sent people. We are commanded by Jesus to go. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore, go. And we are to be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into the world, the whole creation, to proclaim a message. We've just heard this message. This is the gospel. This is the good news about our need for repentance, to turn away from our own ways and towards God. About the the forgiveness of sins that can be found in Christ Jesus. We are to be witnesses of Jesus, pointing to him, speaking of him testifying of who he is and his goodness and his love. We are to, crucially, we are to make disciples, other followers of Jesus, baptizing them, which is that beautiful visual, visible sign of their allegiance to Jesus. And then what Jesus commands us to do is we're to teach them to obey all of Jesus' commands. Now the question for us is, what does that look like for us here in Hillview? Why does Hillview Community Church exist? We exist by the grace of God as worshipers and followers of the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ to go to others so that they might themselves through the power of the gospel encounter that same risen and reigning Lord Jesus so that they then, as they follow Jesus, will desire for many other people to know the love of God. And can you see, there's this circular aspect to this. We are not called simply to make converts. We're not called just to gather as many people together as we can who love God, who love the scriptures, who love fellowship. We're not just called to just get that together and then enjoy that for the rest of our lives. We're that God's design We would never have heard of Jesus. The story would have ended in Acts chapter 1 with 120 people who had walked with Jesus. That wasn't what Jesus wanted. He wanted a sent people who would go to gather more sent people That's what he means when he said, make disciples, make followers of me, teaching them all that I have commanded you, not least that thing that I very just this this moment commanded you to do, which is to go into all the world. See, this is how God builds his church. Now, we see this in so many wonderful ways. If you could, please turn back to the very start of the gospel of John, because we see this idea of, of the costly Way that God has put in place to to share the good news of his life and his glory. We see this in the very way that he came to us himself. So, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the sent one, he's the Messiah. He is sent, leaving behind the glories of heaven and being sent to live among us, to take on flesh and all the challenges of this world that we might see the glory of God. We see this in how this idea of being sent, we see it in how Jesus calls his first disciples. So in in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see the calling of Simon and Andrew. And Jesus says to them, They're fishing. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you. Now, we might, we might end that sentence any number of ways, right? We might think that Jesus would say, follow me and I will make you a great church. Follow me and I will make you a close-knit community. Follow me you know, and you'll find all that you need in me. Jesus doesn't even say that. I mean, that's true, but that's not the focus Jesus brings in this call. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Which is to say, this is what it means to follow me. To follow me means to be a fisher of men and women. We see this in how Jesus defines discipleship. Please uh, look over at Luke chapter 9. Look at how Jesus defines discipleship from verse 23 of Luke chapter 9. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is about the journey that God has us on, and it's how we share in that. We are to follow Jesus as he builds his church and even later on in Luke chapter 9, a few come to Jesus and say, Yeah, yeah, Jesus, we will follow you, but just please let us get our affairs in order first. We, we, we want to honor you, but we've got a few things to sort out here. And Jesus is very clear that that's not how this life of following him works. He says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Later, he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back Is fit for the kingdom of God. May we not be a bunch of followers of Jesus who look back. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. What's ahead? What's coming? Movement forward. Remember Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of Christ of the knowledge of him everywhere, for we are the aroma of Christ. Jesus is leading us forward, and we are with him, in him, in triumphal procession. Now, we see this in the next chapter as well. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. Jesus is about to send out his largest group of followers yet. Let's read about it. Verse 1 of chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. This is interesting, right? Jesus here is sending out a larger group than he's ever done before. And his main thrust that he says to them is, the workers are few. Pray for more workers. It seems a little counterintuitive, Now what might we pray? If we were sending out a mission team of 72 people from Among Hillview Community Church, I suspect we would pray things like that people would come to faith in Jesus, that they would put their trust in him. But that's not what Jesus tells them to pray. This is the point. It seems that the 72 Jesus is sending out are being sent out not just to increase the size of the gathering around about Jesus, but they're being sent out themselves to gather more followers of Jesus who will then themselves go out into the harvest. Our partnership with Jesus is not to end with us. It's not about adding one or two or 10 or 30 more to our gang here. Our partnership is always about us making disciples who are then themselves called to make disciples. And there's a subtle shift here, right, in how we pray and in how we think about the future. We're not just praying for people to come to faith. We pray for people to come to faith who will then join in this adventure that Jesus is calling us to, ascent people. Now you notice none of these passages speak about church planting. <laughs> so what's this got to do with church planting? It's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. There are lots of wonderful, God-honoring churches that don't have church planting as a key distinctive in, in their vision. Some of my best friends lead churches, and, and, and you know they're, they're, they're miles away from thinking about church planting. This vision statement says that we will make church planting a key strategy. And you can just leave that up, thanks. Unless you want to jump into any of the verses, feel free. Um, Now, part of this is because of the pattern that we see in Acts. And that's where I'd like us to turn just now. Dozens of times in the book of Acts, and I, I think at one point I counted about 37 different passages in which you see an explosion of growth In the church, in the number of followers of Jesus. And then you see the scattering of believers. You see the oversight of the apostles establishing sound teaching and practice. And and you see them supporting local expressions of Jesus' church. It talks of things like the church scattering. It talks of the church increasing. Words like multiplying are used. And that's when it's clearest when you you, you read through Acts. So let's please go right back to Acts chapter 1 where we see the, the followers of Jesus, uh, the earliest followers of Jesus, getting together in one room. So Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up, and among the brothers, the company of persons, was in all about 120 and said, Now, you've heard me say this a number of times. I love, that, I love this verse because there's maybe about 120 or so that gather here week by week. There are, I think I did a wee count at the back there, there's about 140 chairs out, I think, 12 rows of 12 chairs minus a few, I think. Uh, So there's about 140 chairs out. So there's maybe 100 100 people in this room right now. But when the kids are in, maybe about 120. I love that. And what I love about this verse is this is the last time that all the Christians were able to fit in one room. (laughs) Things are about to change. Things are about to change. Some days later, the Holy Spirit falls on them. Peter preaches and chapter 2 verse 41 tells us that about 3,000 were added to their number that day. A few days later, we see that they assembled together at the temple and new people were trusting in Jesus every single day and they began meeting in homes. So already straight away, you have this beautiful balance in the early church. God is bringing this huge burst of multiplication activity, but there's also just people devoting themselves to normal church life, normal practices of church, Bible you know Acts 2 verses 42 to 47, there's, there's Bible teaching, there's prayer, there's communion in each other's homes. We see a similar summary at the end of chapter 4. There's this emphasis that while the church is exploding, there's also just normal church life going on, people sharing in life together, the gospel going forth in great power. Fast forward to Acts chapter 5. Let's read verse 14 of Acts chapter 5. More than ever, Believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And then the apostles have another run-in with the law. There's persecution all the time in these early days of the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, chapter 42 uh, sorry, <laughs> chapter five, verse 42. it says, "Everyday, in the midst of this, trouble. In the temple, big gatherings. And from house to house, smaller gatherings, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Now, to this point, there has been no mention. Remember Acts chapter one, verse eight? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But there's no mention yet of Judea and Samaria or to the ends of the earth. That doesn't happen until chapter eight. Please turn over to chapter eight and let's look at verse one. It says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, some of you might know the quote, the famous quote from the church father, Tertullian, who said, The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Which is to say that whenever the persecution comes, This is one of the key ways that the church of Jesus Christ grows. Persecution comes and they scatter in light of that. And the good news of Jesus goes to a whole new people. That's not all that's going on, though, as we'll see. Let's read from verse 4 of chapter 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did... For the unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So God's word is spreading, bringing great joy. In verse 14, we see that the apostles, Peter and John, traveled to help. Now what is going on? You know, in verse 1, it says they stayed there. Um, not verse, yeah, it's verse one, except the apostles. But now we see later on that they get involved. Let's read from verse 25, because we get another little indication that the church is spreading. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So you see, God's word is going forth. Now look, look to chapter nine. In chapter nine, we have the dramatic conversion of Saul. And then in verse 31 of chapter nine, we get another one of Luke's helpful summaries. And many of you will know this is, this is a special verse for me as well. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. The church had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It multiplied. There's this time of peace. The church is being strengthened. There's a sense of growing in maturity, walking in the fear of the Lord. There's a sense of enjoyment of the presence of God in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And in that, as that was happening, the church multiplied. Churches gave birth to churches, which gave birth to churches. Laborers were sent to make more new laborers for Jesus. Now, in Acts chapter 10, we have one of the most remarkable moments of salvation history. Up until this point, all the believers, bar a few exceptions along the way, all the believers had been Jewish people. Then... As God works in the life of Peter and Cornelius, Peter ends up saying this. Look at verse 34 of Acts chapter 10. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And now friends, the possibilities are endless. This is no longer gonna be confined to one geographic place This is huge. This is what God promised Abram back in Genesis chapter 12. That through you, father of nations, will come one through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is what Jesus continually pointed to. That there were sheep from another fold who needed to be welcomed in. People from all nations welcomed to the kingdom banquet. It's what, Jesus, it's what got Jesus into a lot of trouble when he was preaching. And now this is coming to pass. The Holy Spirit falls just like he did on the day of Pentecost. People are baptized and Peter goes up to Jerusalem to tell the other believers the news. Look at chapter 11, verse 17. If then, Peter's now Sharing this with the church in Jerusalem who are struggling with this moment, he says, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? I love it. God does this. Let's not stand in his way, right? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is so significant, not least for us here today. I don't know if we have any Jewish brothers and sisters among us. If we do, I'm thrilled. Let me know. Welcome. But I think for many of us, this moment is so crucial because to us also, to us also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. We should fall silent. We should give glory to God. And then in verse 19 we hear that the church is continuing to spread to new areas. Now those who were scattered again because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except speaking the word to no one except Jews. Sorry. I'm just going to keep going. The point is, the the, the good news is spreading, going forth. Verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now listen to how the church in Jerusalem responded to this, verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So here you see, this is not just persecution. Now there is strategy. Now there is intentionality, pro, people being proactive. You have this wonderful move of God. It started because of persecution, but the church are not put off because of that. And when the somewhat established church in Jerusalem hears of this, they know that they need to send support. So that's what they do. Verse 25. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So yes, there is a reactive aspect to this. Did the church in Jerusalem have a vision to plant a church in Antioch? Well, maybe, but there's certainly no mention of that. Did the church in Jerusalem have a vision to send away one of their best encouragers, Barnabas? Well, we don't know, but that's what happens here. The church is responding to what God is doing and they're choosing to work together for the sake of the kingdom of God, keeping an eye on the circumstances of the, of the moment of that day and then responding appropriately. And this, friends, is something that we see again and again in the New Testament. The apostles sending encouragers and teachers around the various churches as the need arose for encouragement, oversight, teaching, resolution of issues. Letters were written, not just to a single fellowship, but to groups of churches. Galatians, to the churches in Galatia. Churches sending gifts to one another, sharing resources. This this is what happens in in the last verses of chapter 11. You can glance your eyes there if you like. Uh, This newly established church will send a gift back to Judea in light of a famine that is happening. We see it in Romans 15. We see it in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and elsewhere. So there's this idea of the church not just cut off in their own little place, but working together. And God calling on his people proactively to go and to get involved. We see at the end of chapter 12 then, Barnabas and Saul return back to Jerusalem. In verse 25, the last verse of chapter 12, interestingly, it says that they had completed their service. But then in the first verse of chapter 13, they have this moment of worship, fasting, and prayer. And it's identified that it's time for them to go again. Time for them to be sent off again. Look at verse thirteen, uh, verse two of chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What was that moment like? Wouldn't you love to know what that moment in verse two was like when the Holy Spirit guided like that? Just don't you long for that. It even says in verse 4 that actually it's the Holy Spirit who sent them out. The Holy Spirit sent them. And, and, and here is a remarkable moment again in the history of the church. Because this is the first time that people, followers of Jesus, choose to go overseas for the sake of the good news of Jesus. And again, we are part of that story just now. When you love to know the conversations that happen as to how this should happen? The sense is God has spoken. God's word needs to spread. So they just get in a boat. No big deal. We'll just get in a boat and take the good news of Jesus, no matter the risk. And many people continue. To believe, I would love to journey carefully through Acts chapter thirteen and fourteen, but we don't. We don't have time. What we see here is that persecution comes. Uh, they respond to that. Sometimes the followers of Jesus stay and fight when there is persecution. Sometimes they move, and the gospel goes forth. That's what happens in Acts chapter thirteen, um, and we have this planting of this church in this place called Iconium. And then they they flee because persecution comes. And eventually, um, Paul and the apostles return back to Iconium. And the question is, well, what has become of the church then in Iconium? So they've planted this church. They've established this church. They're away from it for a period of time. And then just look with me, would you please, uh, chapter 14 uh, from verse um, 19 of chapter 14, just to see how churches are planted. Yes, but what happens to them? How are they to continue on? So uh, verse 19 says, when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. We've just heard about this. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord whom they had believed. So the apostles are away and they come back, and the church is still present. The church is still functioning. Normal life ministry has continued. There are disciples there, followers of Jesus. The church is then strengthened, encouraged, taught. Elders are appointed in every church. The church is committed to the lord and then paul and barnabas move on and we see this again and again paul and the apostles spending time with these churches making sure that they're established sometimes settling disputes and then moving on in in chapter 17 the church is established in thessalonica and then the following chapters they're established in athens and corinth and ephesus and so it goes on until the present day aren't you glad friends that the church multiplied as it did, spreading from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and spreading almost to the ends of the earth. That work is not yet finished. There are many people groups who have not heard the name of Jesus. But the church spread to Britain and to the United States. And from there in 1978, from the US back to Aberdeen, As International Baptist Church was established, then we think about the path that God took us on in the replant in twenty eleven. We think about the planting of Kintor Community Church, and the question is, what's next? You've heard me mention this quote from Ed Stetzer before: "Don't let your church become a cul-de-sac on God's Great Commission Highway." God's kingdom is going forth. Don't let your church become a cul-de-sac on that highway. There is great need. Let let me share some numbers with you. Since we replanted in 2011, Aberdeen City has grown by 6,000 people. Aberdeenshire has grown by over 8,000 people. That's 14,000 new people in our area who need to know Jesus. Say, very generously, an average church size of 75 people that's 187 churches worth of people who just since we replanted have been added to the number of people in this part of the world. And that does not take into account the many churches that have closed over that time and the very low numbers of believers that we're already, we're already conscious of. We've talked about 2 or 3% for a long time. Maybe it's less than that now. We are to be a people. yes making disciples here in Hillview Community Church. But in all of that praying, not that we will just increase the numbers here, but that there would be an increase in the degree of our sentness for the sake of Jesus. It's challenging now, isn't it? contour has taken a lot of time and effort and attention. You know what? Baby number one is always like that. I was speaking to a dad uh, not so long ago who uh, had not so long ago had their third baby. And I said, you know, how are you, how are you getting on with it? He said, oh yeah, 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 baby number three is okay. You know, baby number one, you have no idea what's going on. You're stressing, you're anxious, you're nervous. Baby number two comes along and you're like, yeah, yeah, I think we've got the hang of this. Baby number three comes along and you're like, yeah, you, you, you take him. You know, I, I, I'm not worried at all. You know, it'll be absolutely fine. I, I can say this, by the way, because I'm baby number three. So uh, I'm not sure what that said. Maybe I didn't turn out so well after all. Who, who knows? But the point is... Is this is that it's been it's challenging. You know, it's been it's been tough figuring out how to make Hillview work and Hillview and Kintour work. The question is can we push through over these next few years to see what God has for us? It won't always be so confusing and so difficult. God will grant us wisdom. He'll help us figure out the right structures and guidance and timing to know what's best. We just need to have a heart that would say, God, are you sending me? Yes, you are sending me. Are you sending me to a ministry here in Hillview? Are you sending me to a new chapter of grace in this place? Or are you sending me, us, maybe who knows, back closer to where I live, closer to where I work to establish a new community of faith for your sake? What is next, dear friends, on the Great Commission Highway ahead of us? May we have a heart to seek God and pray that in his time, in his grace, in his plan, new expressions of the church of Jesus Christ will spring up and be birthed even through us for the sake of his glory and his praise in this place. Let's pray. Father, there are thousands of people around this area, around this church, who need to know of your goodness. And Lord, we, we have talked in these recent weeks of having a heart to share the good news of Jesus as Hillview Community Church and share the love of Christ with this community and how far we have to go in all of that, Lord. We are so grateful for what you're doing among us. There are things to be thankful for, and, and, and yet there's still so much work to be done in cults, in Bealdside, in this western corridor of Aberdeen. And yes, Lord, alongside that, as you give people a passion and a burden for your work here, may we also have a heart to keep our eyes looking up to see where you might call us to send five, 10, 20 people. And Lord, we pray that it wouldn't be a thing of distraction. It wouldn't be an, an either or. We pray it would be a both and. We pray you'd forgive us for the ways that we've stumbled and got it wrong in the last years as we've sought to honor you in Kintour and, and what you've called us to there. We need your wisdom, God. We need your wisdom. And Lord, we need unity together. Um, these are not easy, straightforward things. And we would love to know that guiding of the Holy Spirit that we read about there in Acts, where, where you just make things clear for us how we need you. Lead us on, we pray. For your sake, God, all of this, help it be for the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ, our King. Lead us on, we ask, amen.